you've built like a the car engine and what you've given everybody else is the steering wheel. Exactly. So they don't have to actually like get their well, hands Not even the, the steering wheel because I want to control where they're going, you know? So like- There's just an like, acceleration pedal and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you gave them a button to push. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 244 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm a mole person. I'm Sam. <laughs> this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is January 31st, 20 blendy. Before we get started, we have some good news. There's going to be profanity in this show. So if you, uh, if you, you know. Not like all those other podcasts where they, they don't even use those words. We no. use extra words. Yeah. We use every part of the English language. Well, not every part, but no. we, we keep <laughs> the good parts. There's, there's some really <laughs> shitty parts we keep out of here. Yeah, we still keep those. Yeah. Um, we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Uh, we, we got a donation from Talk Gibberish, who Ooh. says, Just wanted to let you know that the things you make are very good, <laughs> even when you instantly receive 30 suggestions on how to change them. <laughs> and I think I can speak for everyone when I say that we are super excited to be a part of this. Uh, so thank you very much nice. for that donation. Talk Gibberish also makes real good stuff, turns out. That's true. Yeah. Real good. Like, recognize, like. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. There were a number of levels that Talk Gibberish made within Sam. So I mean, he was like, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> he I was like, went back and put, okay. those, <laughs> yeah. put those ideas into the campaign. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters as well. Thank you all very much. I want to go back real quick to this uh, to this profanity thing. Because mm-hmm. when we said, we just keep the good parts. It reminded me of the book, JavaScript. The good parts, mm-hmm. which is all about teaching you about the good parts of JavaScript. The good yeah. Like how it's actually a good thing. You just mm-hmm. got to know what, what the things to stay away from and what things are good. Maybe that book needs to exist for profanity. English, the good parts. No, just profanity. No, just profanity. Oh, mm-hmm. just straight up. How to, how to use it. How yeah. To, mm-hmm. how, to, how to be a friend, you know? Be a friend with profanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep everyone safe. Have a, have a profane pal. Yeah. Just just uh, just with you. Your profanity buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody write this. I'm not going to. <laughs> it could be a children's the, book. It could be a children's <laughs> book. It's for teaching kids how to swear properly. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson narrated uh, like <laughs> the go, go the fuck to sleep <laughs> uh-huh. book. <laughs> yep. So good. So funny. Anyways, continue. Uh we need to talk about Bedjet. Bedjet. Mm. Bedjet. What is bedjet? So, <laughs> so I've had a lot of trouble sleeping basically my entire human life, not just adult life, but mm-hmm. but the, all of it. Yeah. Um, and there are two primary culprits. One is I can't stop thinking about things, and I tend to work or entertain myself too late. And so yes, when you say you have that. trouble sleeping, you have trouble falling asleep. Well, both. I have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep. Okay. Yes. So the falling asleep mostly comes from that first thing, which is just mis- mis- my own misbehavior before I go to bed. It's hard to turn a brain off sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So I have gotten better about that. But there's the second one, which is not solvable. At least I thought it wasn't solvable, <gasps> which is that I get too fucking hot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what – it doesn't matter what the temperature is. doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter how few or how many sheets I have. Mm-hmm. I will invariably roughly four hours into a sleep wake up literally drenched in sweat <laughs> and sometimes – then causing me to be so cold because like everything is just wet now, right? <laughs> yeah. That yeah, now, yeah. I have to, now I have to get out of bed. And now if, if this is like in the middle of winter, because it often is, then I'm out of bed all wet because I'm, I'm covered in sweat. Mm-hmm. So I have to dry off with my bed sheets flipped back over so they can dry off or even, even have to go grab a towel or it's something. It's a nightmare. You know? It's a nightmare. You just, so you need like three beds that you can kind of rotate. Like you soak one and then you hop into the yeah. next mm-hmm. one and you kind of make And even when I'm across. not soaking my way through my sheets and waking up, Horribly, I'm still waking up just overheated and then having to throw covers off. Yeah, so I do this as well. And part yeah. of it is when when you're laying on the mattress, does it seem that no matter what the place you're laying in always just becomes molten hot? And Actually, you have to and, escape. And, and for me, it's not so much like it's not so much the underneath me part. It's just always the because as my body is changing temperature overnight, mm-hmm. and the room presumably is also changing temperature, and so that sort of. That just eventually comes to too much of a mismatch, and I just start mm. to get too hot, right? So I'll, I'll throw a sheet off, but then I get too cold. Yep. And then put it back I wake on. back up again, put a sheet back. So, yep. so this temperature regulation is it's my a big beef. Is my number one sleep enemy, and it has caused me to literally, in my entire life, have had something on the order of zero full nights of sleep. <laughs> so that's rounding. I rounding. Assume. Yeah. Up. To the near. <laughs> 
so few good nights of sleep. It's it's yeah. So I was listening to I was listening to a podcast and uh, and the host mentioned that her like uncle or somebody had invented some like she called it a bed fan and something, and so that led me on a search. But the thing I found was not the one that she was talking about, but it led me on a search, which. Uh, which brought me to the Bedjet. Bedjet. She's called that. That's the company name. That's a good yeah, name. The whole deal. Uh, they, they make some comment <laughs> from reading through it. I be, if I understand their lore correctly, uh, they pitched it on Shark Tank and got shot down because everyone was like, who would want this? Uh, Perfect and, opener. And, yep. And, and now it's, story. Yeah. And now it's like this uh, you know, overwhelmingly mm-hmm. popular selling thing. But it is a luxury good, definitely, because these things are fucking expensive. <laughs> right. But what it is, is basically, uh, it's effectively a heater slash fan. So it doesn't actually have real cooling on it. I think it assumes that the the temperature that you want in your bed is not like you don't want your bed to be 50 degrees. Like, that's not a thing. You want it to be the room temperature. You want it to be below your body temperature Correct. to some degree, right? And so as long as your room isn't too hot, then if you can just get air circulating on your human body Correct. underneath the covers, right? Mm. Then you can move all that hot 98 degree air out. And then even if the air coming in is like 80 degrees, that's actually still, still great. It's all so about it's got, movement. It's all about, about movement motion. and then heat. Mm. For the for the wintry months, you know. So yeah. so I was I was looking into this thing. They're very expensive, but I was like, but I also have never slept an entire night. Here's the thing: investments in yourself that relate to either your health, your sleep, yes, or your mental health, right, are the only investments you will ever make that are guaranteed to pay off. Yeah, because otherwise, <laughs> why even be alive? Well, yeah. Well, if you're going to sleep terribly, literally, if you're going to sign up for this for the next fifty years, yeah, you already had you you've been doing this. Yeah. You don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So I'm, I'm paying Save it Save up the dollars. Right? So I yeah. don't know if I'd – yeah, I don't know if I'd call it a luxury good. Well, it is, it is in the sense of the cost. In the sense that it's expensive. It's expensive. But in the sense that it allows you to sleep. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a medical it's device. A, well, actually, it's a medical right. device. The American healthcare system is a luxury. That's good, true. You know? so right. That's how it works. It, it all just kind of falls in yeah, line with right, right. Just be happy so, that you're somewhat alive. Yes. And so, <laughs> so I was looking at the so – I, I found that this seemed to be like the only one that really did all of the stuff and like – and they have this, you know, fancy – uh, Wi-Fi remote and an app. So the app is literal garbage. Now, I know that now that I have it. Um, so, but the remote's actually really good, so I just use that. Um, and uh, which, to be fair, it's probably hard to develop a team that can both make a bed jet and develop an app. But, but here's <laughs> here's the wild part, though. The remote is remarkably good. Hmm. But think if, about how much harder it is to make a good remote. But it may not actually be that much harder than making the bed jet in the first place. You know what I mean? From like a hardware standpoint. And so maybe, maybe. You know what I mean? Well, because so, the remote. The, the remote, remote is it's yeah. just another piece of hardware. It's probably no, standing. No, no, but it's, it's not though because it has a little LCD screen on it, you know? Because mm. you can make things like they, they call it a biorhythm where you can set it up so that at over certain hours it changes the fan speed and the temperature that's mm. coming in. So you can try to adapt it to like – Oh. The ambient temperature, you can adapt it to your sleep cycle. You can kick the whole thing off with 10 minutes of 105 degree air. Right? How many decibels is this bad boy? Is it kind of like – It's quiet. Like unless, unless you're all the way at 100% fan, but uh, I, I tend to have mine at 60 to kind of keep with it. 100% inflated. jet. I believe that's 100%. Jet. Jet. Yeah. <laughs> it gets pretty loud at that point, but but below that, it's actually – it's quieter than uh, – than like, or it's about the same as like a ceiling fan. You, you know that, that high-pitched sound that jet engines make when they're first getting started? Yeah. I'm imagining you're like, all right, it's time for me to go to bed. And then it's like <laughs> – well, the awesome part is because you can use your phone to start it, then my wife and I will be getting ready for bed, like brushing our teeth and stuff. And then – so I don't – like my whole problem is my bed's – I'm just too hot all the time. Right. So so I don't need this part. But Jenny will just fire hers up you know, while she's brushing her teeth to turn on the turbo, turbo mode, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. then just blasts heat in for 10 minutes. So then she gets in bed and it's literally – it's like a sauna in there. Right? How? <laughs> so – How does one live like this? So I was digging into this stuff. I found this thing. Um, it was I was like, this is very expensive. So I don't know if I can like take this gamble. Right. You know? Um, because well, you know what else seems is super fucking absurd. expensive? Not sleeping. Exactly. Right. So that was, that was what won out in right. the end, right? And then I was, I was talking to my wife about it though and I was like, I think I'm going to get this. Um, if we get two of them – then we get an additional discount that basically makes it so that because they also you can you can separately buy a sheet that basically has sewn it's like a it's like a two sheets kind of making a pocket mm-hmm. you know and then on each side like each human side for a you know queen bed or whatever it has separate pockets right so that now even if only one person is using one you can like inflate your side with air without affecting, you want, the, without other affecting the other person so mm-hmm. you can have you know 
climate control on both sides. Zone so, control. Now, again, this, does, this does come back to my my personal objection of the concept of two people sharing one bed sheet, which I find abhorrent. Yeah, I mean, but anyways, <laughs> I, I agree with you, but I just for me the problem is using sheets in general. Like sheets, sheets are the devil. They don't work because they because your body te- your body temperature changes overnight, and sheets They're stays the same. The same yeah. you know? So you know, so I talked to my wife about it. I was like, I think I'm going to do this. And she was like, if you think that it's necessary, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, I believe it is medically necessary for mm-hmm. me to do this. But the question is, do you want one? <laughs> right. She was very skeptical, but I was like, cause she was like, oh, I, don't, I sleep okay from temperature right. mostly. And I was like, do but you every night you get in bed, you're freezing. I was like, mm-hmm. what if, what if you got in that bed? And Imagine was, a world. And it was a sauna, you know, where your bed is and, boiling uh, cauldron. Uh huh. And they have, but they have, they have like a sixty day return policy, and like they, cool. have, they, yeah. have, they have what they call it a no sweat guarantee. Gotcha. Um, and oh so, shit. Yes. So you, you must have seen that, and you're like, <laughs> exactly. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna give this a shot. Uh, so we got it, got it in. Uh, we we hooked it up, and so and it is literally just it's a little AC unit basically that sits under your bed, like at the foot of your bed. With literally like an AC hose that comes up and then plugs into this like fancy sheet thing they have. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't get that, it just goes up under your sheets right. and then blows right on you. Um, and so I hooked this thing up and I turned on turbo just to like do it. And like, and so then, then my bed sort of inflates, you know, <laughs> and like, and, you, and like I was like touching the top of it and you could feel like it was like warm, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so my wife was still very skeptical. So we didn't know if we we're going to hook hers up even, you know, but I was like, just get under there. You just, know, see, uh, just, get get, under there. just get under there. And so, she, so she got under and just started giggling. Because <laughs> just uh, getting into it, just a weirdly hot bed is yeah. so good. Yeah, and so, <laughs> that's your thing, you know. So, like, was, so we were like, so she's like, yeah, okay, let's. Do that. <laughs> uh, we'll do this on my side too. So that was now so, a week ago. Okay, and yeah. I didn't want to, or a week and a half ago, but I didn't want to advocate for because I was like, I don't know, I, and I have to do a lot of temperature tweaking to try to find mm-hmm. things that work. Because you got to find that biofind. You got to find that balance. <laughs> uh, but as it stands right now, I actually now for the past. For basically now for this past week, I have not woken up too hot or too cold. Holy shit. Have you woken up at all? Yes, but for a seemingly other reasons. Later. Okay. <laughs> so, so I still have other sleep problems. But, uh, <laughs> but you're whittling them down. I think I got down. rid of this one and I don't wake up feeling gross anymore. Mm. Because even when I wasn't being woken up because of all this stuff happening, I was still basically sweating off and on all night. Right. So this is going to up, make I just it. felt like greasy and gross. Right. And now I just feel fucking ray of sunshine. This is going to make it much harder for you to travel in the sense that know, you're going to hate traveling yeah, yeah. a lot more than you the already thing do. Is, <laughs> like, it would be hard to hate travel more, so. So there you go. If you're already at zero like of travel, yeah. then you it's can't fine, go negative. Yeah. So anyway, it's, I, I can't, I can't, I feel uncomfortable advocating for it because it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, if you, if like, if, if thermal regulation is, while sleeping, while sleeping is an, is a really problematic thing for you. In particular, and actually, most of their branding is about couples fighting about temperature. Mm. And so, if this is if this is even worse than that, if this is a cause of relational stress, mm. then this is, I think, probably one of the easiest ways just to get just to remove just to that. Do that. <laughs> or yeah, and also have your own blankets. That's another thing you can do. That's another thing you can do. Yeah. Yep. Now you talking about this idea of like. Jenny getting getting under this warm blanket and just giggling because it's like this is a novel experience. So For some reason, this made me think of swim team mm. high school. I shaved my legs for oh, the first yeah. time in my life. And when you oh, dove yeah. in the water, you get in the water and you feel like a seal. It, yeah, it's incredible. incredible. Or even, even better is when you go under a bed sheet for the first time. Yeah, because oh, yeah. you realize I've never actually felt a bed sheet on my legs before. <laughs> You've <laughs> only felt hair. Yeah, you've only felt yeah hair being pushed on by a bed sheet, yep. uh, and yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, but the weirdest part then is a few days later because all your your whole body then is covered in stubble now. Yeah, it's that's a, the worst. That's the worst. Velcro, Putting yeah. on jeans suddenly you're you're catching the jean yep. on the, your stubble. And leg. The problem <laughs> with this too is is it's great, and then it becomes your body adapts. So the, I feel the same about shaving my head, right? Like yeah. the first time you shave your head, you're like, what? Whoa! It's amazing. And, yeah. and then putting on a hat, yeah, oh, you put on a hat, it just great. slides right on. And yeah. then like if you if you rest your head against like a wall, you're like, oh, it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> or even a pillow. Yeah, and now. I I can I can go outside when it's thirty degrees without a hat on and I have no hair and it, I feel nothing about it. You're on that hedonic treadmill, yeah. You know. So this is the problem: is like you can do these things. You're like, oh shit, yeah. 
But like, she's not going to be giggling on day 12 or even maybe day three mm-hmm. going under. No, there's no more dead. giggling anymore, but she does seem very happy. With it. <laughs> there's a contentedness. It's, it's yeah. getting into that because it is. I mean, it's hilarious because like, and it does a weirdly good job that that top sheet thing that they have, uh, which is the one that goes right up on, on top of your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's They do a really good job of keeping those things because there's like a six inch sort of gap between the two pockets, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, I'll just push my leg over to her side of the bed and it's and it's like it is a sauna it is so hot over there <laughs> and she's just like reading and like getting ready to sleep and uh and i'm like oh my god i have to get out of here <laughs> uh, oh, i love it so it's that that's good stuff yeah I would, okay if uh if it if it won't break your bank to do it mm-hmm. in particular if you have Bad sleep as a consequence of heat yeah. or marital strife as a consequence of different or maybe, needs. you know what? Save up this year. Give yourself a Christmas present. Yeah. There you go. A budget. A budget. <laughs> There's probably other brands too, but this is the one that like came out on top of on things that yeah. I was looking at. So. Cool. All right. Now we need to talk about studio news. What's happening? Part A. We put out a patch. Uh, this, Part A. This Wednesday. Mm-hmm. This, I guess this previous Wednesday. Yes. This, this week. Um, on as part of our new, let's not make a big deal out of things. Patch schedule. Well, whenever we have one, I guess. Yeah, if we got if if we got some stuff to deploy, we just deploy it, and it's fine. Because um, of course, like a lot of our new stuff is off on branches and things like that, and yeah, we're mostly getting ready for launch, so it's going to be just a lot of small stuff. Yeah, and so it's it's actually better as well for us to as we make bug fixes and general improvements to just get those out in more of a drip feed, so that we get better feedback on yes. those prior to launch instead of doing things in a big batch. So what was hap- What was in this patch? Uh, we just like some campaign updates, some bug fixes, uh, and something about unlimited exposure bucks. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. we did. That. I forgot we about cap exposure. Bucks. So we've been having a lot of conversations about the exposure bucks, and we're like, you know what? We just need to do more weird stuff with these and kind of see. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this last patch, we uncapped the exposure bucks, and was it this last patch or yeah. was that two patches? This last patch. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm in a time warp. <laughs> well, I think um, we, we did it last week and then we put it into beta testing on Monday or something. So it's like. It's in there. So something it's in there, but it just, it fe- but I mean, it, like it kind of trickled out, which is why it feels like. Yeah. So I don't know when it. things happen anymore. Um, yeah. So that one's been kind of interesting because we had a 10,000 exposure bucks cap, which meant that like you play for a while and then you don't earn any more benefit from playing other people's levels. Um, and what we saw is like. It turned out great. People are still playing other people's levels. Now they can just save up as much as they want and then, you know, dunk, dunk it, it wherever. Yeah. And we even have things like uh, Clumsy Jeff and others in the Discord would always do these 10,000 exposure bucks giveaways. But, of course, they could only ever do one because you can only ever have 10,000. Right. Yep. So now they can play a bunch of levels all day, hoard like 30,000, 40,000 exposure bucks and then do like a big a big giveaway. Hey, I, level head will be a success if there becomes a website where people are farming exposure bucks and selling them to mm-hmm. put on other people's levels. If we hit yep. that point, that pops up. We get a little little economy in you know, the real the world. The thing that bothers me is that that very well could happen, right? So you could yeah. like you could tell tell someone, hey, like there'd be a third party service, and you'd say, I just uh, published my level, and I want X exposure bucks on it, mm-hmm. and you give them I don't know five bucks or something, and then they'll yep. they'll do that. At problem that point, we'll just start selling. Yeah, problem there is like yeah. that economy <laughs> will exist, which means we will have to figure – and it's always going to be shady. Yeah. Because yeah. that shit is always shady. Now you're going to be handing your your payment info to some who, knows? who the hell knows. Yep. Uh, so that's going to put us into a position where we're pretty much going to have to step in and start selling exposure. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. Now, I, mean, I mean seriously, that, yeah. that is a thing that, that very well could – happen yeah well yeah i think it's if a, if a game gets popular enough if there's some resource that is equivalent to time investment correct then then people will trade and, it and that resource can be given to other people yeah. and yeah, so that'll be something it's gonna be a thing to behold um i, do, then, I, I mean I'm, i think it's this whole idea though of like of of new businesses and markets and like portions of the economy that get created by the existence of social games it's so, I just think it's, it's really so interesting cool. and it's something that we haven't gotten to participate in as a person mm-hmm. making a product for those things to kind yeah. of be yeah. created. And it's, so, it's something you see um, as an interesting thing that happened. In, so EVE, Eve Online does this, right? Where like you you buy a game – you buy game time tokens basically for, for 20 bucks and then you can sell those to other players in-game for in-game currency. So you're basically like trading 
right. trading your money for somebody else's time. And then that gives you more in-game money and it gives them a subscription, yep. right? So it's mm-hmm. like this weird thing. And World of Warcraft now does the same thing. Mm-hmm. So a lot, it's, it's, a, it's a very common concept. Um, and it's always, in a lot of cases, it is done – to fight against these uh, illegitimate services that are yes. stealing people's uh, credit card info yeah. and other things. It's one of those like you can uh, you can ban something, but really it's going to keep happening and instead yeah. you've just pushed it into danger, yeah. like into dangerous yeah. territory. Like drugs. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Not, not to get into politics. No. <laughs> well, I, don't I don't know if that's, no. I don't know if that's <laughs> political. It's just, it's just a fact, right? Like, pro, like prohibition, prohibition yeah. and everything. It was – it, it always happens that way. People will do what they want and you can either try to like keep it safe and regulated mm-hmm. or yeah. just That's true because there's, there's politics and there's – and then there's facts and there's facts <laughs> that people call political because they don't like right, them. Correct. Right. Where in the case that like literally every time something has been banned, it's continued to happen. Just in a more just dangerous way. Just, just a lot more people got hurt <laughs> because it was banned. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be an interesting conversation to have when if, that happens. If that happens. Yeah. Um, and then uh, let's see. So what else? Oh, yeah. So in this upcoming patch we're working on, we're doing phase two of this experiment, which is now you're going to be able to earn exposure bucks in the tower. So, yep. so anytime you play somebody else's levels, um, you will earn exposure bucks. The difference is the tower just earns them at half Half speed. You mean the marketing department earns them at twice speed. Correct. Yeah. Well, for people who have been playing, yes. you will earn them in a tower at half speed of what you're used to in the marketing department. Yes. For all future players. For all future players, the framing has to be, hey, you earn exposure books twice as fast in the marketing yep. department. Um, Rested XP, buddies. Yeah, because mm-hmm. both are true. One of them just feels a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so, so we're doing that. And basically the, the rationale is there, there are several aspects to it. So one is the tower trial. We wanted that to be like a cool thing that you could go do to see like a, a curated set of interesting levels every day. It's also better for the new player experience, which yes. we haven't actually pushed new players into. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so getting more getting more of a, a reason to play the tower trial um, is important, we think. And if if playing the tower trial meant that you were spending your precious game time uh, not doing anything that would help you get your levels promoted, then you felt like you were – like a, it was like a big trade-off, right? Like you're losing by participating in this. Well, you have to, I mean, as a developer, you have to recognize that your audience and our, our audience generally is actually the average age is like the average gamer age, which is actually like around 30, 35. And so the reality is most people who play our games have actually a limited time window on any given day where they can play, right? So we're not talking like summer break situations. We're talking mm-hmm. like most people, maybe like 45 minutes a day or, you know, a couple hours over the course of a week. And so you want it to be the case that that you don't have to make these weird choices about how you're playing to get the experience that you're trying to get. So in the case of your builder and level head currently, um, your only option is to go play levels in the marketing department. Right. Um, and it might be the case that and you there's a reason to, for that, which is we need people to be playing in the marketing mm-hmm. department to make sure everybody's levels get get evaluated and played yep. and all of that. So the way we think about it is, is basically just a risk and reward thing, right? So the risk is higher in the marketing department that you're not going to have a good time because it's just random levels. Um, completely random. Completely random. Uh, sorted by people's willingness to dump exposure bucks into them only. Yeah. Uh, like maybe they say they're a four-star level, but are they really? Yeah. If only 10 people have played it, you don't know, right? Yep. And it's inaccurate. The, the risk basically goes down when you're the tower because there you can actually search and sort for stuff. Um, and then you'll be able to find, find levels you like and, and play things that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to just – I like this idea of kind of like let's just you know flip a switch one week and just be like let's see what well, – Basically we want to make sure that whatever this little economy that we're creating inside of Levelhead is uh, works really well by the time it gets to scale. Mm-hmm. And we are, yeah. we are extremely confident now. We do know that the game will be scaling at launch uh, a lot. And so we need to make sure that this thing is tight and that people – are having a good time traveling between the different sections of the game so we don't accidentally cordon off some piece of it and make it not interesting, yeah. right? I mean, one of the things that we're talking about doing so- sooner than later, too, is actually doing auto-scaling for requirements to graduate from the marketing Correct. department. Um, because right now, it's just there's just set values. It's, it's just 40 players. 40 players, mm-hmm. and then and we let you be in there for a minimum amount of time, right? Um, but neither of those specific things or numbers scale. Yeah. Right. Yes, yeah, so we we have reason to believe that the the like daily players around launch time will be orders of magnitude larger than anything yes, we've yeah. ever seen. Correct. Um, especially during that you know first month mm-hmm. around launch. Yep. 
Um, and that, that's because of basically because of the way that we're launching this game and the kinds of uh, services that we're launching the game into. Um, like game pass. Yeah. And with mm-hmm. the support we have from those platforms as well, it's, it's a high likelihood that it'll be, the game will be incredibly accessible to a huge number of people. Um, they with very few barriers, if any, for mm-hmm. them to just jump into the game and play it. Um, and that, and that it will be visible as well. So it'll be promoted on the platforms that it's on and stuff like that. And so, so because of all those things, we're thinking like, we can't just say, oh, 40 people and you graduate because every level will just instantly fly out of the <laughs> right. marketing part. There'll be nothing in there, right? Mm-hmm. And so we need to – we need to. so we're coming up with some sort of auto-balancing um, yeah. metrics. And then uh, the, the last kind of thing that we're, that we're working on for that kind of launch question is the, is the problem of the huge range of device power. Mm-hmm. So we've got, we've got things like um, original Xbox One, which is from 2013 and mm-hmm. – and, and we've got things old. It's it's getting up there in age, yeah. right? Um, and its its CPU power is far below, you know, like your modern Xbox One X or your modern gaming PC or your modern um, phone or even your modern phone. Like yeah. phones are getting really freaking powerful yeah. now. And so, uh, and you're, but you're also gonna have people like maybe somebody's gonna download it and play it on a four year old Android phone. Yep, yep. You know, um, so. There's going to be a huge range there, and the problem there is is if you are playing on a really powerful device and you make a level that runs okay, like you get a decent frame rate on it but not a very good one because you've crammed the level full of millions of things, um, and then you hand that off to somebody on a four-year-old, a four-year-old Android phone, Android phone yep, yep. it's going to run at one frame per second for them. And so we're, we're working on coming up with means of essentially estimating uh, for any given level just like how – well, your device, your personal device will be able to handle that level. Yeah. And so that we can try to make sure that we recommend you levels that, that you would have a good experience on based on your device. Yeah. And notably, this is, this is a, this is a weird problem that something like Mario Maker does not have to solve because they know the They're hardware on and the it's switch. just one piece of hardware. Yep. Um, so this is a very, this is going to be a unique challenge based on, I mean, a lot of our stuff that we've been dealing with in Levelhead is, is unique. The unique challenge of being a cross-platform title that has UGC that people can build essentially in unlimited ways. Um, mm-hmm. There's basically, there's no way for us to optimize anything at the end of the day because yeah. any piece of it that it, someone could just make a level that, that is uh, designed to be as slow as possible. And yeah. there will always be things that allow you to do. That. And there are things that we could do to just make the problem, to make that specific problem less severe, like limiting how many things you can actually put mm-hmm. out and that sort of stuff. But the, the problem there is that, you know, if, if we have a community of people on high end PCs, why shouldn't those people get to make yeah. really if you're unoptimized, complex levels plus that, that you, each other can play? Yeah, right? plus you might have made that level on your PC and then you put it in the cloud and pull it up on your phone. Yep. And you want to be able to keep on poking around on mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And so yeah, not being able to do that is infuriating. And so, yeah, yeah we can't really. So yeah. We have to find that combo where the default experience that we give you is the one that's likely to be the good one. Right. While, but while you still have access to other stuff and, and where we where we don't try to limit you, we try to – we try to surface things yes. in such a way that it's actually it's, it's a lot like Steam's business model right now, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we don't care what games are coming on here. Like people can make whatever the fuck they want, right? right? Um, our job is to find the stuff that people that that the right people. We, we try to find the right people for the stuff that is out there right. and try to get that to them, right? Um, and so in our case, this really particular problem is fortunately a very simple problem, which is just. It's a sort of one-dimensional, like, how hard is this going to be to run on your yeah, device, right? right? Uh, when it comes – because when it comes to surfacing the, the right content for the right person, that's almost a completely impossible task. Yes. But, but fortunately, we have this one this one little piece that is a very easy question to ask mm-hmm. and we can try to use that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah so, so we're just collecting data now. Yeah, so we, we set up some sort of like back-end stuff and we're, we're, we're going to start collecting data on basically like how well our system measures these things. But it's not going to do anything for a while. So we're just going to kind of let that run in the background and, and let that uh, release that out with the next patch, start to evaluate it, and then we'll start to turn that into a real front-end system that actually does things for mm-hmm. you uh, later. So that's a really weird and interesting problem. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited – I'm excited to try to figure out how to solve. I still don't know if we can really do it, but think, we're going to start to measure. It's going to work. I mean, it's not going to be bulletproof, but I think it's going to do a pretty good job. Yeah, it needs. It needs. It's. There's going to be a lot of fuzz yeah. in it, but yeah. as long as it gets close, because yeah. um, really we just we just want everybody to have a good time. Yeah, right. really, and to me, this is fun. It's like I don't. I can't really think of another UGC game, anything like this that has this much sort of intensity of of or this, this much intensity of a range of 
of complexity of the stuff that people can make that is f- just completely cross-platform and like and and could just yeah. Be usually, the way you solve these problems is by locking it to a specific platform and yeah. being like, "This yep. is just where it is." So we kind of have a sense of the. I believe I'm pretty sure Minecraft and mobile, your server you can hop into whatever server. Can you, you play on any want. server? I in think mobile? so. So there's not like a separate mobile version. I don't know. We might have to look into it. Because like, yeah, Terraria has its own mobile version. Yeah, most uh, every game. Yeah, every game splits yeah. it. But there's, I think there's, there's one final bit about this that I want to that I want to hit, which is a really interesting one. Which is, uh, I think, I think a a default and reasonable response to this is to say, why go through this effort to, like, try to try to recommend levels based on people's device performance? Why not just spend a lot of time really optimizing the game, like really, really optimizing it? Um, and the answer is because of the Jevons paradox, mm-hmm. which is, uh, we have, we have done hundreds of optimizations since, since, yep. uh, April of last year, since the initial launch in early access and every single patch, no matter what we optimize, people publish levels that run at 30 frames per second at the lowest possible frame rate, mm-hmm. because the more things we optimize, that just lets people put more stuff in their level before they hit that lowest frame rate threshold, and they yep. just will. Yep. Um, and so, so that that's not actually that a doesn't fu- that's not a that's not a final way to solve this. Thing. We still do not optimize it because we want you to be able to jam pack. We want you to be able to put more stuff in there before it's a before it's a bad yeah. experience, and that's that's true. But it will still be the case that uh, that people will just create those incredibly high intensity. Yeah. The only real solution is just to say if you make a level on an old Xbox, then literally anybody can play that level. Right, anybody out there, like it's going to be fine. And so we don't have to. We don't have to even ask the question, right? Uh, if you are making a level on a super high end PC, we want to give you guidance so that when you finish your level, we can just give you a heads up and be like, "Hey, this won't play. This won't play well on most people's devices because of how fucking good yours is. Yep, and how much shit you packed <laughs> in here. Right? Yeah. We won't put it that way, but that's going to be the gist, right? No, so that's, that's what it is exactly what I was saying. It's, it's, it's a rating. Hey, buddy, listen up. All right. <laughs> There's a lot of shit in here. <laughs> Take we'll have, we'll have a Sam's head pop in. Yep. Hey, buddy. Listen. Hey. There's a lot of shit in here. <laughs> but the nice thing is, is, is that now you get to make the choice as the as a creator of that level. It's like, do I want do I want a, a fuckload of people to see this? Because if the answer is yes, and then you have to make it a good experience for people. Yeah. Well, it puts you in the exact play. it puts you in the exact position that a game developer exactly. Is like, yeah. Right. Which you is, decide what audience do you want, or or a web developer when you're like, do I want to support Internet Explorer? You know. And the answer is, of course, the answer, no. The answer is no. Absolutely. I, I absolutely don't <laughs> yep. want to, uh, but do – But you get can, to decide can, yeah, You get to decide. And, like, and can I get away with losing that what is now like 2% of market share or whatever? Now and, it is. Thank God. Thank God. It's been a long time. And even coming. better, even <laughs> better, Microsoft Edge is now just Chrome. Yeah. It's just Chrome so, with an Edge skin on yeah. it. Yep. So that was <laughs> – everything is – Everything. The world of web dev is becoming a very nice place to be. Yeah, but it just takes a while. Mm-hmm. Just takes a while because of Internet Explorer. So mm-hmm. that's what's going on with Levelhead. We also have Global Game Jam this weekend, uh, which we will quickly talk about because we're not doing the Global we're, Game we're Jam. We're jamming, but not Global Game Jamming. Yeah. And so the way that I kind of think about it is like jamming is an uh, – making a game in a game jam is an incredibly fun, interesting, and useful thing to do. Um. But it's also a tool. It's like a means to an end. For for us, we basically use it for um, exploration and discovery, and also uh, experimenting with new possible game ideas. So the Shenanigans Jam last year, we made a MMO in a weekend because we're like, well, oh yeah, we're like, what the fuck is that? Like, what's that. an MMO? How do you make one? And can we do it in a weekend? Mm-hmm. What if that server is still alive? It is. I saw somebody playing. Uh, <laughs> somebody posted a Fields of Goop nice. screenshot. Oh, damn. Okay. Nobody else was playing, but um, <laughs> it's a lonely world. Yeah, and so that that basically allows us to answer the question of like, okay, what if, for example, hypothetically, Crashlands Two was an MMO? Mm-hmm. Well, now we kind of have a vague sense of what sorts of problems we run into right off the bat when right. we started building the thing, um, and then we get to just ditch that project and move on because it was a jam, right? Uh, where we're at with Levelhead is we have all these things that we want to uh, work on that are fun things that kind of keep like falling down to the bottom because they're kind of lower on the priority list. And we could take a jam and basically treat it as, you know, like you get bonus, you get like a Christmas bonus yep. or you get a tax refund and people are just like free money and they buy themselves an iPad. It's kind of like yep. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're doing a level head jam this weekend. We got hey, free time. Free time. We got free. We could just work on whatever we want. Yep. So, uh, so we got some features we're going to work on. We're going to work on the new player experience, um, Sam and I, and then mm-hmm. Adam is going to keep working on his, uh, Server flood 
test. Yep. So we can critical. making my simulated uh, level head players. Simulated so. army of robots. Yeah, I've been working on so so people. I've been sharing with uh, the people who signed up for information about the Rumpus Community Edition mm-hmm. stuff um, that I've now got a, a software developer kit that's just live on GitHub that people can play with. Um, but internally, I've got a real fancy one because Ooh. the one that's available to the community has to you know not have access to almost every part of the mm-hmm. of the actual API because then people will do bad things. Yep. Um, so internally, I've been I've been working on. What sort you're of saying the same is deal. you've built like a the car engine, and what you've given everybody else is the steering wheel. Exactly. So they don't yeah. have to actually like get their well, hands. Not in even the, the steering wheel because I want to control where they're going. You know, so like. There's just an like, acceleration pedal and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you gave them a button to push. Yeah, I gave, I, I gave, I gave them a, a self-driving car. Okay. You know? Right. And, and they can they can change the channel on the radio. Yeah, in there, yeah. they can do a few things. It'll, but um, it's still going to take but, them somewhere. But our internal SDK is a, is a, is a manual sports car. You know? mm. It's like it's a Ferrari. Yeah, you, you got to really know how to use it for it to work, but it can do everything. So you got so much power, so, you just fly so off the I've road. Been, so I've been working on that so that I can actually build these simulated level head players. Mm. Um, and I've already got my sandbox server running and it's going to be so is it the case that if you're if you're playing level head now or have been in the last little while mm-hmm. through the next couple of weeks that you will probably end up having sort of a ghost in our sandbox because we're sort of watching player behavior and are using we mimicking player behavior <laughs> or just making robots that pretend i'm to making be. robots that just pretend to be players at, mm-hmm. at the moment we we may want to take another step where we actually like look at our our api logs and just ask what does an what does an actual player actually do in terms mm-hmm. of the all the endpoints they hit in sequence? And then ghost sort of them and inside then, and our then machine. Be like, what if there was ten thousand of these people of this of this person? Yeah, or of but, every person. But part of that is I want to I want to keep it really simple so I can just do things like just I can start with simple questions like just ask what happens if ten thousand people log yeah. in? Just, just what log happens? in right? It's just log in. in. So then I can do that and I can say okay, let's make them a little fancy. Say they log in and then they choose their their level head username. Mm. So I do that right. And then I'm like, okay, now now they go create their profile because your profile like data is just synced on the web in like a little file thing, right? It's like, okay, now they make their profile. Okay, that's cool. Now now they go publish a level, mm-hmm. and now they start downloading each other's levels. Oh god! Now they start favoriting, they're things. liking things, like, they're yeah, so, things. So they can just keep on accelerating this, right? But mm-hmm. but within this within this community, so they're actually it's like it's like fake players acting on each other's data, which you can't do with a straightforward or the, right. with like a straight up. Just like replication of things, mm-hmm. um, unless you replicate the whole fucking thing, right. uh, which you can't really do. And the whole point here is, I want to scale this up to literally something like ten thousand times what is currently happening right. on our own servers. Um, so mm. it's, I'm very excited. It's very fun to like start putting this Spooky. stuff together. And, then, and after that, I'm gonna have each one of these little little uh, fake player objects is gonna be just storing data. So they'll be mm. like tracking how long did it take every time I tried to do this, right? And then I can log all of that when it's all done, so that I can ask questions like. As the number of players accumulate, how slow does stuff start to get? Mm-hmm. Right? How often do they try to get something and then they it Can't. just isn't there? Also, how much does it cost us? Yes, yes, in server costs. Yep. Well, that's the fun thing too is because I can also do things like I can give I can give these players like a one percent chance to post a feedback entry. You know, mm. yep, and uh, and a five percent chance to like to claim some other other user's alias is offensive. You know, they can mm. report each other. <laughs> I have them report each other. Then I can see. Then I can go look at the website and be like, okay, so how how bad does this website work if we have a hundred thousand players and they're actually submitting reports? Like, right. how bad does our, our moderation system fall apart? Or if we look at the feedback, can we look at the sandbox feedback yeah. and be like, it's all this with gonna, all these fake it's reports? A, it's an exact copy of the production website, right. just with some extra bells and whistles for being able to, to really like make it do whatever. So we can look, we can even look at that with our eyeballs and be like, how many feedback reports are coming in? Yeah. Like what's the pace of, is this, mm-hmm. and then can we deal with that? Is yeah. that something that we yeah. want? Yep. So, cause, cause one of the things that's, that's really near up on, on the radar for upcoming content for the game is, is like overhauling the moderation aspect. Yep. It's like, what, what other tools do we need in there for moderation? And now we can use this hand in hand with this simulated sandbox to sure. ask, okay, here's what we think we want to do. So let's simulate that. Yeah, if we had a thousand tickets yeah. one day, right? How can we Does build a system that can make it so that's not horribly painful right. to deal with? Yeah. Yep. So cool. it's gonna be fun. I'm excited about it. What a journey. Yeah. yeah. So this is fun. So that's all happening. Um, we, uh, I believe, Jordan, uh, who is our new QA guy, so he's gonna be working on a game for the Global Game Jam. Yeah, he's I think he's just project. gonna do the jam. <clears throat> yeah. Um, like hey, he might go go there and the whole thing. Maybe, I think or, yeah, I think he, mm-hmm. he hasn't done nearly as many jams as as uh, some of us have. So I think yeah. he's just gonna go, just go 
crush mm-hmm. it at the jam. And this will yep. be his third one. Third yeah. jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's still a, a jam baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Sure is working on the game pipe. So he's going to be – he's got all kinds of – he wants to make virtualized machines – uh, for our deployment pipeline. Yeah, between so Adam and Sure, we're just spawning all sorts of demons. Yeah, right so we've got all these more demons, the better. We've got all these demon mancers roaming around the studio, <laughs> and they're going to do a demon jam. Yep. A demon, ooh. <laughs> that's what demon it is. Jam. It's demon jam. Um, so that's all happening, and then we'll kind of, next episode, we can report back on how that went. All right, final couple of bits of news. Uh, I, I might be going to Sweden yeah. to do some kind of a workshop about, about game design, so... Uh, still in the early talks about that, but uh, sounds pretty dope. Yeah. So, well, this is the benefit, one of the benefits of actually showing up and doing a talk at GDC and then having it go live on YouTube is that, of course, the broader audience gets to see it. Because um, I gave that talk uh, two years ago. A while ago. And it mm-hmm. just came out on YouTube. And now all of a sudden I'm getting emails from people being like, yeah. hey, saw your talk. Yeah. You want to come speak? Well, it's yeah. also kind of – to me that's the dark side also of GDC because – because they bring all these speakers in, all these speakers spend dozens of hours putting these talks together. They spend a fuckload of money to get there and like mm-hmm. and do the thing. And then it's on the whim of the GDC committee as to whether or not anybody outside of the 20 to several hundred, depending on the right. – To put thing, it up you know, on YouTube. To put it up on YouTube where the world actually gets to see it. Right. Um, and – or, or it's just pretty fucked up. Or it just stays in the vault and you <laughs> got to pay 500 bucks. Yeah. And okay. it's also just buried with all the other things. Yeah, in the it's, vault. it's really fucked up. Um, although this year they, we saw that they're starting to put out an honorarium. So like they're yeah. actually yep. giving you some Starting cash. to compensate yeah. some speakers a little bit. But also they, they do give a speaker an all access pass, but at the same time, like, uh, g- just going to San Francisco and staying there for even a minute <laughs> will deplete your entire bank. Your wallet yeah. just disappears. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just gone. Yeah. Yeah, you, show up, you reach your back pocket, you're like, oh, right, I'm in San Francisco. My wallet's it's gone. gone. Yeah. And it's but gone. I, I, would, I would honestly call it, I, I think it is completely fair to call it an unethical, just like a blatantly unethical system. You mean because they're, in other to, words, because they're not actually paying you for the content. They're not really. paying you for the content. Yeah. And even if they are, that just offsets your part of your trip to go there because right. they're not they're not paying for like our flights and our hotel Correct. stay. Yeah. Uh, and the and the honorarium is like a reasonable size in terms of like the dollar figure, at least the one that, that we saw Seth getting right. But it, it doesn't actually cover the cost of putting the talk together because it was taken. So I, I would disagree with the ethical question primarily because uh, people giving the talks are doing so voluntarily, and they believe that there's a benefit to them in some capacity, whether. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's not necessarily directly monetary. So, you know, the reason that we do it is because it it uh, creates opportunity for us to get connections. Yeah, yeah. So but it is a roll of the it, dice, but but it creates an extremely limited opportunity because it depends on it depends on them then who is there them promoting it, how they promote it, it, and what talks are competing. Like because when Sam gave his talk mm-hmm. uh, two years ago, three years ago, three years ago, one of the talks was a really really good one, and but it was juxtaposed to one of like the classic. Indie panel talks. Well, I think we had my the my last game before I, before I die one was yeah, yeah it was it that was up, up against almost immediately it went up on YouTube yeah yeah and so then that it's was fine. like ninety thousand views now. yeah yeah <laughs> so then it was fine then right that right. but but had they decided not to put it up on YouTube yeah it would have it would have just sort of died quietly. it would have died in like yeah. and that, that would have been that people, right? right and if you think of the number of people who have like reached out to to you and to our mm-hmm. studio because of that talk specifically right. It's wild. So I think I'm going to hold by my stance that it is an unethical move for them to bring in all these people, make them get all of this effectively free labor to generate the content that they are then selling to other people and then make that same content that was given to them for free not available outside of that. Right. That's yeah. probably, probably close to fair. Yeah. I think it's fucked up. Yeah. I think it's completely fucked it's up. Shit. That's just – okay. And so I can I respect would, the position. <laughs> I would, uh, so I would advocate – uh, you also during one of our practice runs, just recording it for ourselves, and then if they don't put it up, if they don't put it up on YouTube within the first few weeks, then we just put up our own. Yeah, because I think one of their rules is it has to be a new talk. You yes. can't like we can't you can't re-give the same talk that you've been giving for the past year and then yeah. show up at GDC and do it. So we can't do it. We can't do it before, but we can do it after and immediately that, after. Yeah. Just like as soon as I walk off the stage, just hit the <laughs> yeah, button. exactly. Why not? You know. Um, yeah, so that's happening. And then we're also working on our launch campaign Yeah, uh, for Level Head. So we're working on some new trailer concepts. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. It's going to be. We got some yeah. good stuff. And uh, well, the, So the challenge with making so many trailers over the course of a game is that you're trying to, you're trying to learn from the previous ones that you made, the reactions that you got. Uh, 
And then also just try to do something that is different than everything else that's in the damn market all the time, right? So right. we've – and if you look at – so we tra- Level Out has had three trailers so far. Um, two of them were sort of our, our usual voiceover zaniness stuff. One was very long form. The last one was like three minutes long. Um, and then one of them was sort of like your your strict here's gameplay video with dope music, right? And there's really good parts of each one of those models. And so what I'm trying to do is, is synthesize the really good parts – um, but then really just kind of take it into a different direction where if someone just saw it, that they would be thoroughly entertained mm-hmm. just by seeing. The idea is that if this was a ad before a YouTube video, mm-hmm. that you would just that watch it. That you would it. be like, what is this? Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And we've all seen those where normally a, a, an ad comes up before a YouTube video and you're like, next. Yep. You know, you, you're, just <laughs> waiting, you're just waiting for that button yep. to appear. Yeah. But every now and then, during that five-second period that you're waiting for the skip button to become clickable, something happens and you're like, hmm? Yep. And then – I got to feel this out. Yep. And then you end up watching eight minutes because I have – There are some, There's yeah. some YouTube ads that are like eight to ten minutes mm-hmm. long. And I end up watching that and then like the 10-second video that I was going to watch comes up afterwards and I'm like, I don't give a fuck about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the whole thing flips. Yeah. So the goal is basically that, that if, if this was its own – if this YouTube video was its own series – yeah. Is essentially what it is that you would watch it because of the content involved, right? And it just happens to be perfectly advertise the game, yep. but really, it's just a great video in and of itself. So I got a pretty good concept nailed down yesterday, um, which I shared with our trailer guy and with our uh, with Fat Bard with our audio guy as well, and they both seem very excited about it. So I'm perfect. I'm ready to rock. Good. Are we going to get gonna voice be. actors for this one? No, I think this is just me. We're not going to need to with the current not with the current setup. Model. Although we might want, we might want to. There's going to be some of that whole like kind of yelling off from the screen. Background stuff. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We, yeah. yeah, we might. We, need, we should pull in. We should pull in a few people. Yeah. We can get some off screen. Yeah, yeah. off so mic. We, and this is fun too. Like we we have been doing a lot more stuff with uh, with voice actors. Recently, yes. So you could announce that if you want. Hmm? You want to announce it? We'll save it till next time. We'll save it till next. Okay. Time. We'll save it. Okay. Time. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not public, is it? No, no. I just keep yeah. forgetting that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Surprise! 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 <laughs> All right, let's get on to some questions. Uh, these questions come from our listeners over at, b- at podcast.bscotch.net. I mean, they're at bscotch.net, and then you click on the just go over there, click on that podcast button. Yeah, it's it's bscotch.net. Just all of it. Just all the things. All of it. It's over there. First question comes from Beaky Bapa Boop, who says, "How did the level head baddies get their names?" Ooh. Mostly the same thing as everything, which is uh, some kind of portmanteau. Yep. Uh, but the, did they start with the – so like the vac rat. It is literally a vacuum and a rat. Yeah. And yes. Rat, right? And that's what it always was. And at a certain point, we were like, mm, but it's but that's too too descriptive. Yeah. So we changed its mm-hmm. name to Klaus, which was a cleaning mouse. Yep. Oh, is it not called a vac rat anymore? It's it still is. called a vac rat. Oh. But anyway, we, can't, we, we couldn't stop calling it the vac rat. Yeah, it's just what it is. Such a good name for it. And then we had to flip it back to yeah, Vac-Rat. Poor just sort of like the way we name things. But the, the actual – the only one I think changed at all was actually the Swoop-A-Doop, which, which was originally called a Twist Goose. Oh, yeah. Because the geese are very goose. angry. That thing is very angry yeah. and it twists at you. Right. It's a drill. Yeah. But, you know. And I thought that was hilarious. We were talking about it a lot, and then at some point, when we when we changed all the names to be just a little more ridiculous, mm-hmm. then that's when it yeah that was that was the one goose. that was like a little bit too on the nose in the sense that <laughs> it was it was goose. just like two full words <laughs> yeah, that yeah. just described exactly the thing. Yeah. Whereas like the Lizumi is it's a lizard, it's a that, lizard that like is in a wheel that zooms yeah. after you, right? Yeah. So it's like a Lizumi. Uh, the flip whip is also a little bit close to a twist yep. goose, but it's it's two verbs, yeah, so which is works. a little bit better. Yeah. It's not like a verb and a, and a noun. Um, but yeah, but it's just naming what it does because it flips and whips. Yeah, it yeah. Does and those like two things. The, the canoodle that we have is a thing with noodly arms and has a cannon on its back, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a canoodle. <laughs> but, I think, but I think part of the naming strategy is to make it so that it's fairly easy because the names are descriptive. Yes, but, to – yeah. So you can, you can actually pair those two things together because if we had called – the Vakrat Klaus. Yeah. First, it just also sounds like the name of one thing, like, yep. a, like yeah. a person, you As know? opposed to a type As, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like a robot that they use to clean yeah, stuff but, with. But like Klaus, even though it, it meant cleaning mouse, is, that is not guessable. No. Right? Right. And so people, they'd be like, oh, what the hell? What is this thing called again? Exactly. Like, and also, what's the plural? Kleiss? Yeah. That's not- <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually something we saw was that um, when we put the game into early access, some of the names of the items were actually different too. Specifically the power-ups. Yeah, power-ups had a yeah. different names. It was the Ignium Chassis, the Quantum Electro Dongle, mm-hmm. the Eye of Gorble, the uh, – Exactly. You can't remember that. <laughs> what was the record? The rebound was, oh, it was the Face Blaster, yeah. which actually was, was, was pretty good. Yeah. 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 
Um, but we needed a shorter one, basically. But yeah, yeah, so I think we went from, and you see oh, this a lot. The, the juice fusion drive. That was, oh, yeah, that that was, was the ripcord. Yeah. yeah. So we have this problem where when you're building one of these sort of fantasy settings or you're just building a world, you will have a tendency to name things in um, in what you would believe in to be. In a lore heavy way. Yes, in a lore heavy way. Yeah. When in reality, and you see this with, I mean, in the real world too, with how, how people actually refer to things, it's always the sort of the shortest, most succinct version that they can get away mm-hmm. with. Uh, especially actually if that group or that people has sort of like developed over a long period of time with that thing there. And so, you know, really long names always get, everything gets shortened over time. Yeah. And so we realized basically after we put it out, ones that we were watching players try to talk about stuff and they couldn't talk about stuff. Yeah. Couldn't remember what they like, called. Because well, everyone's trying to use their name for it. They're like, and they would just call it like a, uh, the fire bar because we, they were called flaming wing janglers before, right? <laughs> uh, Bernie Whirlers. Bernie Whirlers. Well, I guess in the thing it says. In the, in the tooltip it does, it says, known in some drum circles as a flaming wang jangler. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think it's how, which I think it might, that might still say that. That's still in there. Yeah. Because yeah. so, that's hilarious. Yeah. So we, <laughs> the, there's a couple of those things where we just had to, after watching player players try to use the terms, uh, had to make some changes. And a big part of that is you want you want your game to be able to be talked about. And one is if it's fun to name things in stupid ways, but if people feel dumb when they say it, yeah, they can't feel too dumb. You can't, they can't feel too dumb. If they get a little giggle out of it, that's perfect, right? Yeah. But if they feel dumb, then that's bad. You got to find that balance. It's kind of like, because uh, I, I do like to read uh, fantasy yeah. and sci-fi novels. And there's a particular kind of novel in both of those genres that starts off in the first chapter, you know, world, quote unquote, world building. Right. Where they start referring to many things, many, many things. Yes. All uh, with specific long all names. All with very specific, very long names, as if you just know what they're talking mm-hmm. about, right? And this, this is a, this is a part- particular kind of strategy to get you, like, to try to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and there are people who can pull it off. And mostly there's everybody else, yep. right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I've had to put... I've had to put many of these books that supposedly were very good. I've, I've had to put many of them down or just come back to them later when I was like in a better headspace to put up with the bullshit, you mm-hmm. know, because I'm just like, I'm like, I just, you have to be okay with not having any fucking clue what is happening for a long time, for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. And just, what if we didn't, Yeah, you know, what if we yeah. didn't do that? Yeah. So accessible. So we had to change some things. Yeah. Uh, there's still a few that are probably too dumb. Like the fan is called a sky wiggler. It's probably too dumb. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the the treadmills are called toe sliders, oh, which kind of is funny. kind of funny. Toe slider is pretty good, yeah. but uh, you know it doesn't slide your toe. Right. You just no, it's just it. a treadmill, or it's just a fan. Right. Yeah. So it some makes of them, them are hard just, to remember. Yeah. 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 And of course, like everybody will just call them those things, so it's also mm-hmm. fine. And yeah, you know, as long as 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 long as we don't have like treadmills and toe sliders, which are very similar, <laughs> but you know, that's yeah. when things start to get dumb. Yeah. Well, and also, uh, as long as the community is going to end up coalescing around a how to common name them. that's yeah. that, even if it's completely different from what you did, then that's also fine. It's the case that you don't want is when you have something that people can't remember, so they have to make something up yep. themselves, and then it's not obvious enough what they should make up, so that now they're you sort of fragment people's way of talking about stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, I gotta avoid that. Yeah, if you just say treadmills and fans, we got it. That's fine. fine. Yeah, but mostly you just gotta get right up to the line of dumb, like of of a dumb name, Mm -hmm. and that's where it's funny. Yeah, right up to that line. It also makes it more memorable. Yeah, the line between descriptive and dumb. All right, next (laughs) question comes from Eco Musk Giant Pla. I think, think this is a new person. I don't remember yeah, that name. That's- hey, guys. I'm getting close to releasing my first game after nearly two years Ooh, worth of graduation. One of the hardest things I've found is finding dedicated playtesters to help find bugs and other UX problems. Yes. How did you go about gathering great people for this role? Money is a great incentive, of course. It, uh, is it generally done as an hourly rate? How about smaller indies who don't have the cash flow yet to pay for this level of testing? Thank so, you so much. So I'll say when we did the two different scenarios. When we did Crashlands, we – every – I don't know, probably three or four months, we would basically just bring in a, a, a new friend, literally one, just a person who was a friend of ours. We'd be like, hey, would you be able to come by for like Someone an hour? who had not played. We hadn't played. We'd be able to come by for like an hour on Saturday and play through this game because we need to testing. And usually it's like, it's not a, it's sort of just a, you know, a friend situation. It's a friend transaction. So there's no money involved. Yeah. Um, so we did that a you bunch of times. You just like give them a snack. Yeah, yeah like, like, I'll give you pizza. I'll yeah. give you some yeah, free coffee and a muffin. Exactly. If you just come play my game for an hour, mm-hmm. and I'll watch. And depending on where you're at, so St. Louis has a bunch of really cool stuff going on as far as uh, opportunities for local devs. So there's the 
first Fridays at the Science Center, mm-hmm. and they'll just give you a table. So you can just show up with your game. Um, and the demographic there, you're largely going to get – you're going to get basically kids. young kids with their parents. Yeah. And sometimes the parent is much more interested in the game, but it has to be pulled away by the child or vice versa, right? Yeah. And so, so it's, it's a little bit of a chaotic way to do. Yes, but you'll still get some good stuff out of it. So there's there's opportunities to look for basically where where there are groups of people meeting for this specific purpose. If there's the St. Louis Game Dev Co-op here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they still do, but they used to have pretty frequent events where – they that were just for this purpose, basically. Yeah, feedback or, nights. The feedback nights where yeah. people would bring their games in, and everybody would kind of like you know round robin, play, try everybody's stuff, mm-hmm. and, and provide feedback. Yeah, so you can check and see if there's those available. And then the last thing that's an option is in the case of Crashlands, we did we did a, a closed beta period, and so the the only way you can do that is if you've been able to get word out about the game while simultaneously providing a mechanism for people to give you something like their email address. Or get into your Discord or something like that. Yeah. So you have to have. So you basically have a, a fan or a, a fan base or a potential fan base yes. you can reach out to. And so importantly, it doesn't need to be very big. So we had uh, twenty people in the. In and the you alpha. need a way for them to give you feedback about the game. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's true. Yes, yeah, so we did an alpha first. We had twenty people. Yeah. And then we did the beta with two months before, and that was two hundred. Yeah. But about one hundred and fifty of them ended up playing quite a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that was about that. And then now with Levelhead, we've moved into basically paid QA. So we can well, actually paid and early access QA, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So one of our games in early access. So that's just so happening. Constant feedback. Which um, is we have a fantastic community and also a community of people who are much more forgiving about bugs because you know it's early access. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's really really useful. And then as far as like doing this before the game actually came out, we did do play tests in house. So we'd have people just show up. Um, and the really cool thing about making video games is people want to be involved, right? And oh, so, yeah. so even even those like the especially the one of the most useful things is getting those first plays, watching people just sit down and play at, for the first time. And you can just post. I mean, we if, do that here. We do that because we we, yeah. we work in a so we have a you know an office that's inside of a bigger office complex, but mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of like an entrepreneurial like there's a lot of shared office spaces and things, and so they're just kind of like people doing all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. and trying to just like trying to like learn about other interesting things. And so, so Sam would just post, be like, "Hey, I'm yep. looking for somebody to play test like a few levels in this game." We're yeah, shoot on. me some times if you if that sounds of interest. People yeah. are like, "Yes," and they because it's the thing is it's still it's very fun for them. It's not like testing a piece of uh, software or something, yeah. right? It's They're just a, playing. It's video. literally a fun experience. And so, yeah. well, sometimes I mean, we have had we have had times where bad. we where we brought some people in for especially in the early days of Crashlands. Yes, where we had people play. And legitimately, the game sucked. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It was just frustrating and too slow and hard and bad. Yeah, we were, it was a one-hour session with one person. They were, after 20 minutes, they were like, oh, this is yes, – no, like, I can't. I can't. And we were like, okay, thank noted. you for the like, feedback. We'll write that down. Um, yeah, <laughs> Had but, to leave. Was but there's enraged. A, <laughs> was enraged. I think, I think there, is, there is a set of rules about this, though, when it comes to bringing somebody in and watching them play. And I think – one of the things that I, I always see uh, newer developers do is they explain – they make it about themselves and about the other person and not about the game. Yeah. So when I say make it about yourself, it's um, it's if somebody has a problem with your game, you it's not about you. So don't don't get defensive about it, mm-hmm. right? Um, you, you've got nothing to explain. Yeah, the don't, whole, the don't whole, explain anything. Yeah, the whole point mm-hmm. is to get feedback from a, a – an uninformed person who doesn't know about the game yeah. as if they were playing the game. Cause remember if they're playing the game on the wild, they're not talking to you. Yeah, right. You're not there. Um, and, and I also see, uh, see a developer who is watching somebody play their game will explain to the person how they're supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is the thing that ruins the whole test. Yep. Uh, so this is where, this is where you say, Oh, good parts coming up. Like we have this great boss fight coming. And then you start telling them about how excited you are about yep. this amazing boss yeah. fight. Of course they're going to react uh, positively because they now realize, oh my God, this person is super proud of this thing that yeah. they did and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And I no, I don't a, like it, but I don't want to – I don't want to let them down that hard. Yeah, you, you, know? need, you need to – you need to basically when you bring them in, you need, to, you need to tell them explicitly, I'm going to say nothing. Mm-hmm. I just, I'll just be taking notes. I may, ask you, I may ask you questions. Ask questions just, yeah. If you're the sort of person who does have a hard time with that sort of separation of the – the game, the game quality, and the re- the reaction you're getting, um, instead of instead of trying to explain stuff, uh, a better, a much better approach if you're feeling that is to actually just ask a question. So, for example, if someone runs into something um, and you're getting frustrated about like them not being able to see what's going on, just ask them. Say, so what do you think should be happening here? Because actually, that's still extremely good to know. Yeah. What the mental model of the player yeah, is. Don't do moment. it to lead the witness. Correct. But do it to find out what's yes. going on. In and the you race. might even be able, you know, instead of instead of thinking about this in terms of like spinning up an entire QA division or something, you know, you might be able to, for example, like 
if, if you have a friend who lives across the country or something, just be like, you know, hey, would you be able to, you know, rec- just like record a, an MP4 video? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'll send you the files, re- like uh, play it for 30 minutes and, and send it back. You can even Venmo them 10 bucks. Like yeah. te- you can do 10 bucks, mm-hmm. you know, to get that that level of detail of feedback on things is mm-hmm. is totally worth it. Yeah. Um, so it, it doesn't need to be a huge expense. It doesn't need to be a continuous cash. You don't, need, you don't need to hire an hourly worker. You don't have to yeah. do. And you should be a little scared if you haven't uh, done this yet. As in like you haven't gotten feedback yet. Because, if you've had no feedback, you're because you're, it is interesting that you say you're you finally finished it and you're ready to launch. And now you want to do your. Testing. Yes. Yeah. Cause you're going to find some things. Yeah. So don't, don't be freaked out because there will just be. Just know that you're not ready to launch. Yeah. <laughs> there, there will be some stuff in there. Yeah. Um, and importantly, and it's though, okay. Oh, yeah. That that movie, There Will Be Bugs. There will be (laughs) a guy who steals milkshakes. Yeah, and the the funny thing is that a lot of it, um, most of the time when we've done these, uh, the changes changes have required considerable thought to get around whatever the the actual, like, you know, problematic thing was. There are oftentimes fundamental design changes that come from these. But oftentimes um, the change that isn't required on, like, a programming level is not always a huge one. It's usually just like, oh, we need to be doing – this here and this here and that sort of jointly will solve the problem. Yeah. So it kind of depends, though. I mean, if if you're finding that that everything is falling flat, oh yeah, then sometimes you got to do some real soul searching. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Um, yeah, I think one of the things we we found in Crash Hands at the very beginning was like our our enemy combat was super was both incredibly boring and incredibly frustrating. Yes. Um, which is somehow possible, by the way. Yeah, it shouldn't yeah. even be a thing, but it is. Where it's like you you felt like you had really very few interesting options of how to fight the enemies. Uh, so it was really super boring. And also the one strategy you did have available Just didn't work. was way too hard to execute yeah. and unpredictable. Um, and we, we had like half of the Savannah done at this point. So we had like four enemies yeah. done. We th- done, right? Quote, yeah, exactly. Quotes. Yeah. Ready um, to launch. Ready to launch. And then, uh, <laughs> turn, and then we have to turn around and basically burn them down and, and reconceive of, of mm-hmm. how the entire thing works. Um, we even had at some point, uh, we we rebuilt the way that you acquire recipes three three different times. Yes. Um yeah, you, I don't know if people know this. Yeah, we used to. You would uh, you would actually earn science points. You were there as a scientist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right? So yeah, as yeah, you yeah. as you deconstructed certain yeah, things, science orbs would come out. Yeah. Then you would get science orbs. They would be filling up a bar. Like a so yeah, system. it was kind of like you would deconstruct sawgrass or whatever, and then you when you like hit like level two sawgrass knowledge, you would like learn some new recipe, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that that felt weirdly pointless and linear. Because you're yep. like, why this? Because mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes like, you get like a knife, sometimes you get a beanbag chair, and you're like, why though? Well, the knife is way more useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we so wiggled well. that around. We tried things like, okay, maybe we'll give you like a batch of recipes at the end of each level. Mm-hmm. So we did that. Um, but then that felt overwhelming because then like nothing is happening for a while. You're like, They're like, oh, it's time to get sawgrass. You go out there. You'd be whacking like, why am I collecting this? I can't build anything yep. yeah, with it. Yep. Uh, and then all of a sudden you can build way too many things and you don't know what the fuck to do. But this is the funny uh, thing is because we end up rolling that exact concept into the stations, right? Yeah. So then you basically you, – eventually you manage to build the next station and then you see this new batch of recipes. Yeah, you've got. But, a big but it's diff- in the context yeah. of the station. Yeah. So it all makes sense. It's, it's when you're actually in your base, things are more calm. You've mm-hmm. just built something um, and – as soon as you – like usually as soon as you can collect that kind of material, you have something to build with it, which was right. kind of like the – it was the circular problem. But again, we only – these things all make sense on paper from a design perspective where you, where you say like, oh, yeah, you will go out, collect sawgrass to get XP and then when you level up, you'll get your batches of recipes mm-hmm. to to use the stuff that you just collected. It's a collected. perfectly fine idea. Mm-hmm. It's a perfectly fine idea right up until you actually put it into practice yeah. and then it's Which is why we always say ideas are worthless. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think uh, as far as how we how we pay, we do like, we just do like a flat with 15 bucks an hour, like the living wage sort of idea. For yeah. Currently for pay our – yeah. yeah, for a part-timer. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yep. So and we have people remote uh, and then we have – why is just one person local aside from our full time now? So yep, yep. that's how we do it. Yeah, and so so again, like that's a that's a perfectly reasonable amount, and you don't need you don't need a ton of testing to find these core problems. Ew. Like these will yeah. these will become apparent very early. And on. you can get a pretty decent amount at, at the very beginning of, of free testing by the things we talked about earlier. Yeah, I mean, bring bring a friend in, bring it to a few of these events. Uh, and that's definitely the way to start. Start there mm-hmm. first, because actually the the benefit of of the paid QA is that. 
Um, it's not supposed to be about like sort of the experiential aspect of it or the first new player experience. That is literally saying like, hey, you know, I'm going to be on Steam. I need someone to like check through, make sure all the all yeah. the stuff works. Yeah, um, paid QA is mostly for the stuff that isn't fun. Finding yes. edge cases, repeating, that's why you have repeating to pay someone. That's why you pay someone to yeah. do it. Yeah, because yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, but that whole like initial like design testing, gameplay testing, that new mm-hmm. player experience, like you, yeah, you could just you, bring, you, you can just bring in grab a rando off the street. Yep. And and actually, the final thing I want to say about that is is go outside of your of your expected audience. Yes. So if you if you bring in somebody who's like, oh yeah, Steve, he's like a pro Counter Strike player, and I'm building a first person shooter, I think he'd be the perfect person to mm-hmm. test my game. No, he wouldn't. Uh, because he knows literally everything there is to know about being good at first-person shooters, and also all he'll be able to all he'll be able to think when he's playing this game is how it how is it's different not from Counter Strike. Counter Strike, yeah. Well, so you we basically you want you want enough of a spread here that you get you get some of those players who literally would never have picked up your game because they often show you things that are yeah. just magical in terms of especially new player experience stuff. Yep. Someone who has never played a platformer, for example, has a complete different approach to picking up those controls and trying to get stuff to go. And actually just watching them can teach you a lot about how to better structure like your intro levels and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Changing um, mechanics, teaching. We, we have absolutely. things, for example, like um, one of the things you may not know in Levelhead is we have this thing called cable stretching, which is, mm-hmm. uh, could be talking about in my GDC talk, but it's, it's this idea that your cable for your grappler only goes three grid spaces. Yeah, so Giratine can only grab objects that are three away. Right. Now, one thing you may notice is that when you are jumping up uh, and you're grappling down, then your grappler actually can go up to five grid spaces. Mm-hmm. So it uses the distance from where you pressed the button from where it started instead of the <clears throat> distance from where you are. So what we found was that was that for a lot of newer players, um, the timing was just too tight for them to be able to do package jumps. Yep. And so we made it so that basically you can hit that that grappler button at almost any point in your jump uh, and still be able to grapple down and hit the package. Um, and so that that's one of those things where we would see it and we're like, well, we don't want to like fundamentally change what this mechanic is. Right. We just so need to make, make it, it more accessible to get at, you know. Um, and so you'll find those those kinds of like little wins that you can get. Um, but again, that comes from bringing in non-expert players, which by the way is almost everyone yes. who will ever play your game yep so uh so that that's the way to go about that so hope that helps yeah yeah uh, all right that's all the time we have for this week we'd like to thank our producers fat bard and jen coster for putting the podcast together thanks to our community moderators who keep our discord running to get more involved in the butterscotch community just go to podcast.beescotch.net where we have links to the discord uh links to other stuff too uh, and that's all we have yep. bye bye, bye. <laughs>